0: Hello everybody and welcome to a little SDGC pre-recorded goodness and today we are going to talk about violence in video game marketing now this is a topic that uh, Rebecca and Justin uh, have been wanting to talk about uh, on the podcast for some time and I thought you know what I haven't done any pre-recorded content in a while I might as well join them because I've got a few things to say on the matter as well so Rebecca and Justin how are you doing this evening
1: I'm doing all right. Uh, I, I told you guys before the podcast, I had a little mishap with some spiced wine I was making in the kitchen, so that's a fun time. But the weather is beautiful. It was a high of 69 today, so very nice, nice outside. Nice.
0: Nice day.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, just just really, really, really nice day out here.
0: And uh, Justin, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing pretty well. I had a nice
2: weekend. I got to see a few movies, played a lot of Destiny, so... It was. It's been nice.
0: Yeah, it's a shame we couldn't get through the. Uh, we couldn't get through the uh, outbreak. Outbreak prime quest today, but. Yeah, whatever, we'll we'll do it at some point. We'll give it another <laughs> shot. Yeah, we'll give it another shot. Uh, and as for me, I have literally spent this weekend doing absolutely nothing of importance Ooh. at all. So it was a, It was and it was kind of what I needed. You know, I, I needed Good. a weekend where I just didn't do anything. So I've been playing Destiny and Dragon Quest, and I just started Phoenix Wright which is uh, awesome. I can't believe I slept on it for this long. Uh, so I'm doing good. Um, so so what you guys wanted to talk about... See, I was under the impression that you wanted to talk about violence in games, but what you want to talk about is even more interesting. You want to talk about violence in games marketing. And I Crowd. do...
1: I, I, I'll stop you there. I do think the two are intrinsically tied together in certain ways, so I think we're probably going to end up talking okay. about violence being in games at least a little bit like oh yeah absolutely like (laughs) dash on it but i like i mean it's a talking about violence in games is really hard and i i guess i'll i'll just start by saying that talking about it at all in any capacity is really really frustrating because there's just no fucking nuance on the internet right like i think there are really interesting conversations to be had about why about about games being violent at all and why games seem to be I mean, I don't know. I don't have like scientific numbers or anything, but they seem to be at least the very popular ones seem to be disproportionately very violent um, compared to other forms of media. Like I think if you put them up against the amount of films or novels that are out there. Yeah, of course, there's violence in the other ones. But I think that the very, very popular games um, tend to focus on violence, specifically gun violence. And it's I'm not I'm not like saying that in an effort to specifically condemn that. Um, I think there are interesting questions to be asked as to why that is and how that came about. And some of those things, I think, are kind of accidental with just sort of the history of video games and kind of the nature of competitive games in general. Like, that's just something that sort of has happened. But, yeah, it's been interesting over the years to see that evolve from kind of a... I guess, like sort of maybe not an entirely incidental thing, but a sort of incidental thing to something that has become a marketable bullet point. Like w- things it, it, it it's a good thing if the game has really powerful guns and really, really graphic violence and all these other things um, on, on the box on the on the back of the box or whatever. and i I think it's interesting. The way we've got here, and I think there are a lot of good questions to be asked about why we got here that don't necessarily turn us into what Jack Thompson or whoever that guy is yeah,
2: talking yeah, Jack about—how how it, yeah, how, yeah.
1: how we're just destroying the youth and um, how all how like like John writing articles about how all our video games need to be censored. You know how that is.
0: Well, and that's um, and that's and that's something, uh, <laughs> that, that, like so in the context of this conversation, that's something I want to mention.
1: That, sorry, sorry. No, no,
0: no, no, no. So like so like it's it's difficult to have. This is why I'm glad we're talking about it because it's difficult to have these conversations these days because the minute you start saying, well, I'd like to have a conversation about, about, you know, violence in games and how it's portrayed and how we consume it, people automatically, you know, jump to, oh, you're trying to censor my games and, oh, you're trying to take away my violence. Nobody's n- – relax. Nobody's trying to do that. I, I am not – I – I play violent video games myself. Nobody...
1: We have all, at some point in our yes. lives, enjoyed shooting a gun at something in a game. it, yes. it can it's... be a delightful activity. <laughs>
0: it can. <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody's taking your games away. Nobody's taking your violent games away. But uh, all we want to do is have a conversation about the way this stuff is marketed and and, and the way it's portrayed in this in this medium. Um, and I I, th- I think that's why like this specific
2: panel, like the three of us, like all, all are coming from very different places, like. Um, I've been doing more and more writing and I actually do write a lot of violent stuff, but it's very different when you're trying to sell a product versus like a narrative. And so like coming at it from that sense, like I think all of us have like a very different lens on this sort of thing. Um, and I think we can really delve into it in some pretty neat ways.
0: So, um, so as everybody knows, uh, well, as as almost everybody knows, because it was all over the place. I wrote an article, uh for ign about white phosphorus in call of duty uh and uh, and again i'm not calling it for i'm not calling it for it to be removed so everybody can calm down your call Uh, to
1: action at the end of that article was literally if they haven't looked at this a little bit closer they should and if they have i would be interested in seeing their thought process that was your call to
0: action. that was it like that was that was all i wanted and just just to have the conversation about it and uh, it was so, the most like even-handed light mild yeah, criticism like like, like, <laughs> like the craziest thing about it is and i'll just say this is i even mentioned in the article itself it's like you can do this right spec ops the line <laughs> did it you know towed that line wonderfully and you know I, i'm more concerned about portraying what that thing can do accurately than i am it actually being in the in the, you know in the game just just have a little respect for the source material but but um yeah, so I wrote an article for IGN about white phosphorus in Call of Duty, and you know, it and it, it it kind of harkens to my overall thoughts on violent games these days. It's it's not so much the vi- for me, it's not so much the violence that's present in the game because you know, I mean, like like you know, Justin said we were playing Destiny earlier today. I've been playing Borderlands three. Um, you know, I, I I do play violent video games. Uh, having said that, um, it's I find that the older I get the more and more concerned I get about, or not even concerned. concerned is not the wrong word. The more interested I get in how that violence is actually portrayed. Yeah. Um. You know, is there a story behind it? Is there a meaning behind it? Which is why I, I just don't care for stuff like, like Grand Theft Auto is a great example. You know, like in Grand Theft Auto, notoriously, notoriously violent game, you can hop in a car and do whatever you want. You can kill anyone you want. You can run over everybody you want. Um, and, and you know, if, if that's your thing, great, but I am interested in, like, violence can be used to tell a story, right? Violence violence can be a useful tool uh, you know, when building a narrative. Um, th- you know, when you talk about violence in games, that's the kind of experience that I'm interested in. Um, telling a story, uh, telling a story with impact and telling a story with meaning, Um I think violence can be very effective in in any kind of storytelling medium when it's used correctly. Um, but when it's something like a, when it's something like a, you know, like a white phosphorus in in Call of Duty multiplayer or something like a Grand Theft Auto, it's just it's it's not something that interests me. Um I don't know. That that, that that's that's kind of and and I think my thoughts on this has have evolved as I've gotten older. This stuff used to I used to think about this stuff in this in this context a lot less when I was younger.
2: I mean, one thing in particular that I've been thinking about lately is, like, some of the interviews with developers um, that maybe even, like, working on games that we're pretty sure are going to handle it well, but, like, talking about some of the technical things that they're doing, like, oh, there's very realistic, um, like, damage to enemies, uh, reactions. We made uh, this gun feel like
1: it would feel in real life. Um,
2: Right. Like I mean, and like the thing is, like these are people that are programmers. They're artists. They're talking about stuff that is actually requiring a lot of work, and you know they're proud of the work they put into it. They're excited, but in marketing, like that tends to come off as really strange. It's like here, um, I remember, uh, you know, there was, uh, I'd be talking about Call of Duty again. Um, you know, they were talking about how they based a lot of the night vision um, stuff off of live leak footage. And I remember people were really upset by that. Cause they used, you know, they were talking about it. it was like, Hey, look how well we recreated this. And, you know, they were taught, um, you know, digital foundry was talking about how it's like, Oh yeah. They recreate how the actual resolution impacts things and the way everything looks. And like, it's a very big, like um, technical and artistic achievement. But when you're talk, like bragging about it and talking about it like in marketing, it really kind of, it seems kind of, you know, gross when they're talking about it that way. Like even if it's, you know, something that they worked hard on and they're proud of it. Um, like when you talk, when you kind of remove some of these things from the context and just talk about them as like a marketing bullet point, it really changes the tone of the conversation.
1: I do think there is a distinction that needs to be made in terms of how, how marketing works. And I, I think this distinction is maybe part of the problem, right? So my uh my my colleague at Games Industry, James Bachelor, he has a Twitter account he runs. It's called Nonviolent Game of the Day. Every day he tweets out a different nonviolent game. This is for people who are interested in nonviolent games to follow it. Um talking to him, I found out that like there are really strict criteria for his account for what counts as a violent. Mario is a violent game. Mario jumps on Goombas and kills them. That's what that's violence. But there's a different sort of context around it, right? Like, it's, it's very silly and cartoonish. Like, I think it's on... I think it's on like the ESRB ratings, is something like cartoon mischief or something. Well, non-s- yeah, comic like mischief. Comic mischief. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, like I, I don't look at Mario and think, oh God, it's too violent or something. I don't think they're <laughs> yeah. trying to portray any kind of Goomba realism. It's just, it's <laughs> like a cartoon. It's like watching Looney Tunes or something. And I think, I, I think that level of violence is like one type of game violence, and then there's this other type that is maybe a little bit more realistic, but still very cartoonish. And I think that the, the most realistic example, or the, the most accurate example of that recently is Borderlands. So Borderlands, on their marketing materials, they're like, we've got, what, like a billion guns or a however billion. fuck many they have. Billion, and, yeah. Like, yeah, they have a billion guns and some of them work kind of like normal guns. Some of them shoot cheeseburgers. Some of them, <laughs> like, like get on, get legs and run around and explode. Like, like it's very silly. And yes, Borderlands, I would consider that a much more violent, categorically game than Mario. It's not It's not as cartoonish anymore. You're actively shooting things. There's, like, blood spraying out, I think, or whatever. It's still very... The, the context is still very it's like silly. Cheese, it's like a cheesy. Yeah, and,
2: then, yeah, and, then and I'm like, not
1: trying to make, like, a value judgment as to whether yeah, no, it's a good I, thing I, or not. But I, I it, it, is, it is, like, another level of context. And then a yeah. level above that is a game like Call of Duty, where they're, like, going for, like, the super realism. And I think one of the problems that games marketing and games in general have had around violence recently is... We have gotten, re- we, over time, we've gotten really excited about this kind of sort of silly cartoonish violence. Like even older games, um, like like really old shooters and stuff, the, the visual fidelity and things like that were not good. It wasn't good enough to have like a really realistic violent experience. So no matter what kind of violence you were doing in a game, even if it was the most realistic available at the time, it was still very cartoony and like distanced from where we are. So we thought, so the idea of having a really cool gun in a game... Um, it was, like, a really big deal. It was something you can market around. It's like, oh, we made this really cool gun that you can do really cool stuff with. Um, but now we have, like, the ability to do these really realistic gravity, like, la- the Last of Us trailers. Like, the the really just... just I, I, do- I really don't want to use the stupid fucking marketing term visceral, but that that is how it feels yeah. in the Last of mm-hmm. Us trailers. Like, just that really, like... The, the skin and the blood and the the movement and it's just it's just a lot and, like, and I think like the the transition from marketing something as oh we've got all these guns and all this violence that's really cool kids has gotten a bit it, it's kind of become distant from what we're actually seeing on screen like what we're seeing on screen is doesn't feel cool anymore yeah. in the way that that mar- the marketing around those well, games well, is it's
0: kind of the marketing, oh, just I just want to make this point real. Quick. Yeah, go go ahead. Um, what's you know, you mentioned The Last of Us. Um, an interesting kind of dichotomy between The Last of Us and The Last of Us Two for me has been the marketing. Um, you know, in The Last of Us One, I, I I remember very vividly most of the marketing was you know, you know, ver, you know, quick quick vertical slices of the game. Uh, you know, Joel and Ellie hiding in a bathroom from a clicker. Um, you know, it was all very fast. It was all very. Uh, it was all very video gamey. It was obviously, uh, you know, the content or the the subject material was obviously very very mature, but but that's it was very video gamey marketing.
1: I had a lot of people you know, recommend The Last of Us Part One to me, saying that it was a game that I would absolutely love. And I I personally am not a fan of very violent games, and so I I have not played it. But having seen clips of it, I'm, I'm, I can't fathom why anyone would have recommended that I, to me because yeah. yeah, the story looks great, but ah. Yeah, no,
2: no I, I I think it's one of those things that like <laughs> if. I just don't think you could stomach it from what I've heard. Because like,
1: Oh, no, I don't mean, think the, I could either. The,
2: the goal of Last of Us is actually to have unsettling violence. They right, have said yes. this. It's well, thematically important to the story. I have played the first game through seven times. And, like, it's six years old at this point, And there's still stuff in that game that makes me extremely well, well, uncomfortable. Well, right, well, and like I'm somebody that's... Ex- pretty hard to make uncomfortable when it comes to violence and fiction. Um well, I, I, and I, I, and that's one of the things that's been um you know kind of strange in the way they've approached and and even just talking about the first game like there was this the big E3 gameplay demo um was kind of where we first got the look you know at it and you know naughty dog has done like, the most violent thing that they had done was Uncharted, which is very, like, PG-13 action-adventure game <laughs> kind of because thing. It
1: absorbs bullets.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, all of a sudden, we got this really, really intense uh, demo at E3, which actually was censored compared to what the final game was going to be. Like, they had to turn off dismemberment and stuff um, for that game. That demo
1: weird idea that you have to turn off dismemberment.
2: That's another thing I want to talk about because, um, later, but like the end of that shows a character getting knocked down and Joel aims the shotgun and everybody thought it was going to fade to black. And then you'd hear a gunshot like usual, but it shows him getting shot. And then, you know, the audience cheered. And I remember there was this really interesting, big debate were people cheering for the demo overall being a really impressive thing or were they cheering for this violent act at the end
0: and and so so i'll take that justin and use it as a springboard to kind of finish my thought with you know the last of us one versus two in the marketing you know we've talked about you know how the last of us one, you know the marketing was more or less i just heard a cat sorry no 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 please don't be sorry no 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 i was just like what was that a cat Uh, i want to make sure i wasn't going crazy um you know, the marketing in one was very, was very video gaming, whereas in like a large chunk who here remembers from the last of us Two that marketing where it was just five minutes of a woman getting brutally tortured.
2: I um, actually didn't watch that because it was just an yeah, out-of-context cutscene, which I'd rather see in-game. But yeah, was, there was it, a lot of talk about that. Um, it
0: was, so I saw it, and uh, Reb, I don't know if you saw it. but No, I... This doesn't know. sound like something Reb so would go out of. No. It, it was literally a woman getting her limbs broken and, uh, uh, by a group of bandits. And it, was, and it lasted for five minutes. And I was just like, man! I was like... This is, uh, you know, no gameplay at all. That, that, like, that was the marketing. And we also, Weird. Did, we also don't know who
2: any of those characters are. Like, no, yeah, no. Like the no reactions, reactions to the stuff are. we've seen since then have had, you know, Ellie in yeah. a lot of these situations. But there, but, but and but she's a character. I've she's got, a character that we know.
0: I've got ideas on um, who the woman is. I, I, th- I think it's probably yeah. Ellie's mom. To be honest with you, I think it's kind of obvious that 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 that's who that is. But, but, um. You know, it was, it was mess. It was one of the most uncomfortable f- several minutes I've ever experienced in gaming. And it was just me watching a, a YouTube video. Um, and, and it, I mean, it was brutal, and there was a lot of talk about, you know, about using this as a marketing tool for the last of us. And the reason I, the reason I say that is, and the reason it's important now is because just like Justin said, you know was the uh, at the end of that demo, was the audience clapping because and cheering because it was a a great vertical slice of gameplay, or were they clapping and cheering because a guy got his head opened up by a shotgun? Um you know, and I, I think the answer is is that for a lot of people, and you can see, I mean, look at the look at the comments on my white phosphorus IGN video. like violent cells, it's attractive to a lot of people. um and it's and you know it's uh, it it is a viable selling point now, you know, like I'm sure we've all heard the term sex cells right everybody's heard that term well it's the same thing for violence uh violent, people want to consume violent content and i think there's any i, I think there's any number of reasons for that uh, which is probably a whole other conversation um but that's what sells like vi- violence just violence makes money look at grand theft auto 5 like like grand theft it's what uh the highest selling game of all time now uh, it's has-
2: still it's still regularly in top sellers. Right. Six years after release.
1: I would. I mean, I would potentially argue that there are more reasons for that beyond just the fact that it's violent.
2: But well, I mean, but yeah, but I mean, like, <coughs> Grand, the- Grand Theft Auto is actually a series I'm not a fan of um, myself. I'm not a fan so of it, like, yeah. Um. But yeah, no, it, it it's really interesting because like sometimes, um, and like also, I think multiplayer kind of plays a big role in a lot of this. Um, like, it's very different when they're showing, like, it's like, oh, let's have, especially like, um, kind of like Battlefield and stuff, but like Battlefield was like, oh, we're gonna try to, you know, tell these, you know, nice, these, not nice, but, um, you know war stories that highlight you know people that usually got overlooked in war, and then right. it's like, oh, but then we're also going to do a trailer that just look at all the explosions and walls coming down and like <laughs> yeah. running around and like, uh, right. yes, Reb,
0: Reb, right, go ahead.
1: I think that's a really good point, Justin, and I think that kind of highlights a sim- a similar juxtaposition to what I mentioned earlier with the way violence in games has changed over time and the way we've marketed it has changed over time. But I think also it now is happening within the same game. So I I brought at this point in discussions before, and every fucking time I do, somebody like attempts to educate me on the history of Call of Duty. So please just like take this in the spirit that it's meant and not like the letter of what <laughs> fucking happened in every individual Call of Duty game. Um, but the trend over time that I've seen broadly in Call of Duty, I, I have not played a ton of Call of Duty, but I've seen the marketing for them. I've kind of, you know, I, I'm aware of the industry, um, is that the game has had moments where it was very story heavy and focused on telling a particular kind of war story. And it has also had moments where the game was mega focused on the multiplayer aspects. And that's what was popular. And the multiplayer aspects do not have a story. They involve either running around and shooting each other or running around with a squad and shooting other things. And those two things are now in the same game together being marketed equally. And it is is extremely weird to have... The market, like it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a unified vision anymore. Um, but it is extremely weird to have the marketing for a game talk about what a serious realistic story it's telling about the horrors of war and how we're taking this very seriously and doing all this research and then on the other side hey here's a really dumb gun you can shoot your friends with like (laughs) like like it's just it doesn't it doesn't jive
2: and this year with modern warfare i think it's been even more apparent than usual because the original modern warfare call of duty 4 i think was actually like a really intelligent um like surprisingly subversive game when it comes to talk uh, dealing with war, and it's something that's I've been heard lost
1: that feedback a lot, yeah.
2: Um, and it's something that's really been lost in the series. And you know, some of the things that they've talked about with the campaign is it sounds like they're trying to do that, and then all of a sudden they t- they've been mostly focusing on multiplayer because they want to keep campaign under wraps, um, which I get. Yeah. But then they're like, oh, the multiplayer is just a playground; it's not the same thing, and it's. It's such a weird, weird dichotomy. Um, That's weird. um And another point, um, I've mentioned this in a few different contexts, but like going back to Last of Us, which I, I feel like I'm harping on this game. It's one of my all-time, all-time favorite games. But um, the difference between the... Mul- and I almost think that maybe it might be the reason that it seems like multiplayer is getting a separate release um, mm, from the story this time. Good thought. Because... Um, I remember the first, cause the first game is very much about uncomfortable violence. It's supposed and it's very thematically important to the story and it handles that very well. And then in multiplayer, it's like pay $3.99 for a new um, execution to humiliate like oh, God, your opponent yeah. my in both, multiplayer. Microtransactions
1: like, <laughs> fuck up this whole argument so much. Like we can't even yeah, get into yeah, the disaster so, like, that is. It's
2: just, it's just like, multiplayer modes like with you know how competitive they are and you know everybody wants it to be silly even if it doesn't look silly um it's it's, it just becomes like this really weird dichotomy where it goes back and forth from we want this thing to be taken seriously as real art but we also want it to just be oh it's just a silly thing that you do with your friends in your free time like it's not like a real heavy situation (laughs)
0: Right. So Reb is. So I wanted to, you know, on the subject of violent video games, uh, you know, both, you know, the games themselves and the marketing. <clears throat> excuse me. I also wanted to touch on something that Reb has been doing this year that I have found very therapeutic. Um, Reb, you made. Fuck! A,
1: what have I been doing? Reb, Reb,
0: Reb, Reb, you've made it a point to stream nonviolent games. Uh, oh, and and it, I, I have you know sometimes sometimes I'm in, sometimes I'll, I'll I'll say something in chat and sometimes I lurk and I don't say anything, but but I, it has introduced me to a whole new world of games that I didn't even realize were out there, um, and uh, what was the and, and there was one especially that really.
1: Heaven's Ball, short hike. Uh, uh, heaven, uh, it, was, it was the painting. East, shade. It was the East painting. shade. East shade. East shade. Right. I love East shade. Okay, so the thing about and the thing and this is how it gets back into violent games. I think, I think, it, the conversation about violence in games is less interesting when you talk about it strictly as a dichotomy of violence and non-violence. I think it's far more interesting when you talk about it in terms of verbs. When you talk about what are the kinds of things that players are doing in games and. I, I think one of the reasons why I get so frustrated with violence and games in general is that a lot of games that fall under the heading of violent games, the main verb that you're doing is shoot. And you can argue about how the guns work. You can like tell me whatever you want in your marketing about how, how good the guns are, how how visceral the blood is or what whatever the fuck you're telling me but in the end the game at its core is kind of the same kind of game as a whole bunch of other kinds of games you're still shooting picking up ammo um you know running around in the squad with other people and accomplishing objectives by holding down the you know square button or whatever button it is like it's still the same thing over and over i think non-violent games tend on the whole to be a little bit more interesting not by virtue of being non-violent but by virtue of having to think of different verbs um, that people interact with the world with so each shade is all about painting the verb is paint you're painting and you're walking around you're walking around and talking to people while you're doing it yeah it's a fucking walkie simulator but paint is your verb that's how you see the world that's how your character interacts with the world and it's interesting heaven's vault was another one i played this year where the main verb you're doing is translate you're translating language that's what you do in that whole game there are a whole bunch of there's a game that i want to play here soon called wonderlust where it's mainly a text-based story game but the main thing your character is doing is traveling they're traveling and having all these different experiences and there are so many games that come up with these other interesting ways to interact with the world and as a result developers and publishers then have to think of interesting ways to describe what they're doing to you or what you're doing in their games and i think one of the most interesting examples of that recently that we've had is goose game and goose, goose Game has, it was actually brought up at a party I was at last night. We were talking about Goose Game, and it, it, that game is encapsulated in a single gif. Like, you look at that gif, you see the goose annoying, that, that picture of the goose with its head poking around the corner with the keys and the gardener with the key thought bubble above his head yeah. encapsulates what that game is. The title on the trailer is It's a Lovely Day in the Village and You Are a Horrible Goose. I instantly <laughs> understand what your game is about. It's fantastic, and I don't need a long list of all the different violent acts I can commit in your game. I don't need to know that there's a fucking white phosphorus microtransaction in it. And I don't need to sit around and question it. I immediately understand what this game is about. And it's interesting to me. And yet it is, again, it's like a whole other topic, but it's very frustrating that no matter what we say here, and no matter what issues we see, how violent games are, how they're marketed, it still is pretty much a fact that the vast majority of the most popular games out there are the same kind of game over and over um the same kind of game with the same kind of violence in it that just keeps getting more and more graphic because that's what we're doing nowadays and that's that is what like what john said that's what's popular and that's what sells and yeah goose game and other games like that have seen a lot of attention but they can't command the same amount of attention as a billion guns and i i don't i don't know what the answer is to that i don't know what to do about that i don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing or just a neutral fact about something but i mean it is what it is and I, I, I,
2: i
0: i'm sorry justin go ahead
2: um you kind of raised an interesting point um this is going a little bit off of the like marketing topic but it's something I thought about I play a lot of shooters um and you know I can see a lot of nuance within that genre and I of course yeah. I think they're, I, I think they're really fun like it's 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 a genre that I feel I have like a lot of like literacy in if that yeah. makes sense yeah that's fair um but like it's very different between going from something like destiny which is the guns look like big nerf guns <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, yeah. and you know you're fighting aliens to something like call of duty and like one thing i've been i and i've seen other people um you know kind of articulate this is you know i am a big shooter fan and you know i do agree with the idea that it's like oh guns are kind of like your character in these sorts of things and like i like when like oh, you can you know, see all the mechanics working and you can examine it and you can see like nicks and stuff in there, like that attention to detail and like the way they move and the way they sound. But I hate that stuff in real life. Like it's a weird thing about like the fiction and the way that we interact with these things versus the real world. And it's like every now and then I have like this moment where I'm like, oh, this is kind of messed up that I really enjoy this aspect. But like you know, would never like never want to come across this on my in my daily life.
1: But it's a bit incidental, <laughs> isn't it? Right, like yeah. th- there's that much nuance in shooters, and I, I realize we're getting like particularly into shooters here. Like there are other kinds of violent games, obviously. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> but um, there's that kind of nuance nuance in shooters because shooters are big, and there people have money and time and energy to spend on making that. I love Stardew Valley. I love sim games. There are there are quite a few sim games out there. I'm not trying to complain that there's no sim games out there. But when you compare to the number of shooters out there, there are not a lot of farming sim games specifically or just sims in general, like Animal Crossing, The Sims, things like that. There just aren't. What if we had that many? And what if that... That many games had the kinds of budgets and companies behind them, all making them, so that we could have like really interesting kinds of nuance in what you could do in those games. Really good attention to detail. Like I, the, the game that I always say that I wish I had was like a Cooking Mama crossover with Stardew Valley, where the focus <laughs> is on Kirk cooking. I want like nicks on knives that I'm using to chop vegetables, and like really like a lot of nuance in the types of carrots I can find and, and <laughs> yeah, grow. That, like yeah. I want that. That would be so cool. But we don't have that because we basically have I don't, I don't want to boil it down I, this is super reductive i don't want to just boil it down and say we basically have one type of game but broadly a lot of really popular games can kind of be classified into one or two kinds of games and both of those kinds of games focus really heavily on the the fighting and the shooting and the killing and the violence and it's it's exasperating if you like other things
0: yeah reb. and like oh sorry On you go ahead no i was just gonna ask reb um reb have you played i think it's called chef battle brigade
1: no, I haven't, but I, I've looked at that and I don't think it's quite what I'm looking for.
0: Okay. Cause I was just, guys, I'm just saying like, it's a side-scrolling beat, beat-em-up slash cooking simulator. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, I could go on with my pitch for a cooking mama slash Stardew Valley crossover, but this is not that kind of podcast.
0: <laughs> um,
2: Jesse, go ahead. Sorry. I kind of lost, <laughs> I kind of lost my train, tra- train of thought there for a second. Um, like it's really it's really interesting for me and that's kind of why I wanted to get like the three of us together because I know, you know, especially like from John's article and his life experiences and then, you know, Reb because you mostly focus on non-violent games, I think it's really interesting and it's like um and like what you're th- talking about with verbs um is really interesting because like I mentioned before I've been doing a lot of writing and a lot of it does end up being, you know, having violence in it because um I it's very therapeutic for me just with like you know, my own personal experiences, it's kind of, um, a therapy thing, um, for me. And, but like, I have been thinking about the verbs and like the context around it and like what kind of people these things happen to and why. Um, and like part of it is with, you know, you know, various tropes and stuff, but part of it is just because, Hey, I want to write something that will make for a better story. I don't want, just want to rehash the same thing over and over again. Um, and I, I do think you're right, especially when you look at big AAA projects, um, you know, you can't justify, like these companies are like, well, I can't justify the hundred plus million dollars I'm going to put into, you know, making something just to have a bunch of photogrammetry rendered carrots (laughs) and stuff, but it would be great. Um, that's actually... I would love a VR thing like that where you could just pick up and. Like, okay, listen. When really this close. podcast
1: is over, I'm going to tell you all about my really <laughs> big idea, and I I
2: wish, because I- holy. Shit. Um, but uh, sorry. I'm not, I guess I'm not really. I'm not really forming a cogent point. I'm just kind of. <laughs> no, it, g- no. So like going oh, on. It. Um. But um, it's just especially from like somebody who's interested in like the creative process and the narrative process. It is you know, kind of strange to see how the marketing pro uh, process can change, like kind of, it can change, it can change so much of like the context of what you're actually trying to do. Um, and it can change so much of how people view that thing um, beforehand um, and can really, it can really color expectations um, based off of how marketing, which may be completely out of your control. <laughs> um, oh, go ahead, Reb.
1: No, a really good example of that. I So I have played the majority of the first Borderlands, a tiny bit of the second, and then I played a demo of the third. I've not actually played the third yet. Um, the reason why I picked up the first Borderlands in the first place and played a good chunk of it is because not it had nothing to do with the guns of the violence. Somebody told me it had a really good story. And I mean, this... This is like years ago. I don't really remember anything about the story of Borderlands, but I do remember having a really fun time. Like I, I was mm-hmm. told it was a more story focused shooter than I usually like ran into. And I really enjoyed it. Like it was a really good time. And all the other things, the, the, the gunplay, the mechanics, all that, that was all in service to the story. And that was, that was really interesting to me. And yeah, it was kind of a stupid, silly little romp. Yeah. It was problematic in many ways, as we now understand. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was still a really enjoyable time. And I think the, I don't know how, I don't remember how that game specifically was marketed, but I think I think someone telling me, hey, this game has a good story, you should play it, is very different from what I see now with Borderlands 3. Like, yeah, it's got kind of this story, but it's mostly about the billion guns. And, again, very cartoonish, very silly, but it's just, it, it is different, and it definitely changes the way I think of that game.
2: But, by the way, this had a great story is the first time I've ever heard somebody say that about Borderlands. Yeah, me too. <laughs> except I,
1: don't, for, I don't think it had, like, a profound story or anything, except but it was fun.
2: Except for, like, Tales from the Borderlands. that's Right. But well, that's a totally different type of game.
1: <laughs> but I think maybe by comparison, like, back in the day, if yeah. you're looking for something just sort of really fun to play with friends, like, that game is more story-focused than a lot of others and in kind of an interesting way that the others aren't. And that <laughs> meant something.
2: Actually, the whole, like, hanging out with friends thing is another thing I've mm. uh, um, been thinking about, like, especially in, because, like, um, like I said with especially with like marketing multiplayer, it's very different than how you would mult uh, market a single player experience and like you know it's kind of becoming a hangout sort of thing
1: yeah
2: <laughs> um, and I think that's also why uh, people you know you try to do like these fun montages and like silly stuff like that um, and I think it also might be kind of why some people get really defensive over it because it's not just, it's not just something they enjoy like it's a hobby of theirs and it's how they spend time with their friends like it's become a social activity
1: i talked to a guy at an event i was just at this last week and he said that he didn't classify Fortnite as a game anymore classified it as a social network and i i don't agree specifically with that classification but i think the point he was making was incredibly yeah. correct
0: right yeah and and uh i mean look at my son like my son i i i can see what he's played on switch He's played like you know forty hours of Mario Kart. He's played four hundred and twenty-five hours of Fortnite. Yeah. On his Switch, but but sometimes they'll just sit around and, and bullshit. Like, yeah, they like, don't like, yeah, or, care. Like it's like it's more of a like some I mean, they play a lot of Fortnite, but sometimes it's a chat room for them. And uh, and and I found that very interesting myself. Um, one thing I will say on the on the topic of uh, violent games, and then we'll start to wrap it up here, is you know as I, I mentioned this earlier, and I'll kind of. Circle back around to it. As I've gotten older, my taste—I have found that my tastes have changed. Like, for example, <coughs> excuse me. I picked up Borderlands Three. Borderlands Two was one of my favorite games of the last gen, right? And and even though I've got some serious misgivings about you know uh, you know certain you know themes the, when you know within the game, I thought you know okay, I'll I'll, I'll try it out. Uh, play with my wife. Um, and it's having I'm, I'm I'm having a really difficult time staying invested in it. Um, you know. Which is weird because it's more Borderlands and you'd figure that's something I've, I'd love since I love 2 so much. But I find myself increasingly being drawn to, I, I wouldn't even say necessarily less violent experiences as opposed to more meaningful, impactful experiences. More thoughtful. And a great example of that is today I I played, uh, in its entirety, I played through um, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Uh, on Switch, it took me about an hour and a half. Uh, i I, you know, I've been singing the praises of that game so, since I played it back at PAX East. So, so like, <laughs> I'll tell you this much: so, like, it, it, it's an hour and a half long, and right now, it is a strong contender for Game of the Year. It's um, wonderful. It I, is, it is an absolutely sublime experience. Uh, the game. Uh, it, it you know it doesn't uh, it doesn't require like you know th- there's points to rack up you know it and uh, you can die but it just drops you right back in uh, and there's no penalty you just you just you can do it try it as many times as you want um, it lasts an hour and a half it is gorgeous it has an incredible soundtrack and it's narrated by Queen Latifah which I thought was <laughs> um, but uh, the end of the game like I won't spoil it for anybody but the end of the game. Living with, um, you know, my wife who has multiple health ailments right now, um, really, really hit home for me uh, in a really personal way, and. I want more experiences like this. Like, you know, like like games that I can play. I still love, of course, you know, I'm, I'm always going to love my big, long, grindy JRPGs, but I also am growing to value those really brief, bite-sized, extremely impactful and memorable experiences. Uh, and, you know, you know, Cyanar Wild Hearts told an incredible story of a woman's uh, journey to find herself again uh, without, uh, with minimal dialogue... Uh, and and an incredible music uh, music track and with every boss fight in the game i i knew exactly what that what that boss fight represented within that person um it was a woman over, it's a it was a woman overcoming her or, you know overcoming her her own demons and uh and finding herself again and that to me it's just, and and after i finished it i put my switch down and i just kind of pondered uh i I kind of just thought for five or ten minutes and it really you know that is what i value in games these days games that could sit down and not just tell a story but but help me understand not just you know myself but the world around me and the people living in it a little more that's what has
1: anyone told john it's a mobile game yet
0: (laughs) Uh, hey you know hey you know it's john got to
2: play it on his switch so it that doesn't it's automatically a great game
0: yeah
2: yeah. (laughs) um actually one thing about that game that um just kind of going back to the topic is um i don't want to get precisely into it but you know it's not a non-violent game i mean it's not hard-hitting violence it's very fantasy and stuff (laughs) but like Towards the end, it goes through and it kind of recontextualizes things in a much more positive and useful manner than how it had been um, throughout the rest. And I thought it was a really, really cool deep take um, that, you know, kind of... It, well, it plays deep into the, the thematics, but I thought it was a really cool way of turning... Oh, you know maybe the way you were dealing with the bosses and, you know, punching them out through the rest of the game wasn't the best way to go about it. Yeah. Um, and, and that was a very cool part of that for me.
1: Honestly, the most... The, this is going to sound cheesy as hell because anyone who's hung out with this game community knows that it's just the, the fucking, fucking cheesiest thing to ever say. But Undertale was almost honestly one of the most impactful games that I've ever played. I had up to that point mostly played... I've never been, like, super into really hardcore violent games. But I'd, you know, been playing some Assassin's Creed recently. It was shortly after I played Borderlands. um, I, you know, had played... I'd played most of the generic games that everybody had played up to that point. Um, And I played Undertale. And when I finished... I played the pacifist route. um, Because... I had been informed that that was the best way to go. Like I didn't really think about it too hard. but I beat it, and it really playing that game, and then reading some of the really good, like really good criticism about the game following it, um, where people were talking about things about how the the monsters in that game, if you look at all their actions and kind of try to parse them, none of them are inherently violent. Like they're all just kind of you know doing their own thing, and they happen to be a little bit dangerous to you, this little kid. But if you recognize like that they're just another creature trying to communicate with you, and treat them as another sentient creature, like with kindness, then you know good things end up happening and you end up being able to become friends despite your the barriers between you and that game really like changed how i look at games and it's it's very dumb and i know i there's people who are listening to this who will probably think like wow she can't just fucking enjoy a video game for what it is but i will play games now sometimes and when the very it frustrates me when the very first action i have to take is being violent towards something else i i can respect like needing to self-defend from something that is actively harming me um, but there, I don't remember what JRPG it was recently, but there was a JRPG that I played in the last like year or two where I think it might've been I am Setsuna where the, like, w- the first encounter is you coming up and attacking something like specifically just cause it's standing around. And I don't remember what I, I think, I think it was I am Setsuna. It might've been something else. Um, and that just, that really stuck with me and that really bothered me. I was like, why why do I need to inherently be an agent of destruction in every game that I play? I want more games that give me the ability to be very kind to people. And that was actually something that I thought about um, with destiny sword, John, those game that you and Derek consulted on. Um, Cause I, I like wasn't, yeah, it was a combat situation. Yeah, You're fighting these enemies or whatever, but in spite of the fact that it is a game focused around combat and violence, it's also a game about being kind to the people around you and taking care of them and nurturing them and making sure that they're okay. And I, I want more games that let me be kind. I want more games that let me interact with the world in a way that creates things and builds things up and nurtures things and makes things better than they were before, as opposed to everything always having to be about violence. And I think maybe it's, kind of a reflect i mean this is like maybe a topic for philosophers or something but maybe it's kind of a reflection of our world that like i don't know we got to solve all our problems by like yelling and i don't know and i i know that that's like not that's kind of a reductive solution right like like sometimes sometimes you have to fight back sometimes you do but i i don't i don't ever want that to be the first choice and undertale really changed my view on that sorry that was kind of a tangent
0: i think the obvious answer here is nintendo just needs to bankroll a sequel to nintendogs so mm. just give us a nintendog sequel and and, and, there, and there you go um you know like we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here um i want to reiterate to everybody who may have uh who may have listened to this that look again nobody's calling for anything to be censored nobody's calling to take your violent games away and i feel and i i feel like i feel like in today's climate it's a real shame that we have to add these caveats multiple times whenever you have these discussions but i mean they're not
1: gonna they're also not gonna help like the people who argue those things are like...
0: what, what was it Reb? you cut out
1: the people who are arguing those things are arguing them in bad faith anyway. So. Right,
0: exactly. So, yeah, it's, you know, but, and, and, uh, but, uh, Justin, go ahead real quick.
2: Oh, sorry. I was just scratching my head. I, I wasn't raising my oh, hand. Okay. I, 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 thought I, I thought had an itch. Say something.
0: I thought you wanted to say something. <laughs> no, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask, uh, either of you if you had, uh, any last thoughts, any last words that you wanted to, uh, throw out about this. More verbs, more verbs, more awesome. verbs. That's my thought. <laughs> Justin, what about you?
2: Uh, no. Um, yeah, I, I, we kind of did stray a little bit from the original topic, but um, I think we had a really, really good discussion. And I, I really do like, um, you know, examining this sort of thing, especially from someone who is mostly pro-violent um, fiction and violent media. But like we still have to have some level of accountability and um, and reflection on those things like they can't just be. You know something we throw out there and don't accept you know comments or criticism on um so i'm glad we can have talks like this
0: i guess i i, I guess my, my my last comment will be i think what i've learned about myself especially as i grow older is that for me and it doesn't matter if the medium is television or movies or games for me violence for the sake of violence is a pretty boring thing Um, It just it just bores me. Uh, So I I don't mind I I, I don't mind uh, a a violent I don't mind something violent if it's telling me a story or if it serves a purpose. Uh, But but something that's incredibly violent simply for simply for the sake of being incredibly violent is something that just no longer really is able to hold my interest.
1: Our world is inherently violent. There's no way that we can tell stories as human beings without talking about the things that are in our world and violence is something that's in our world. But I think. I don't know. I I don't know what the future of gaming is going to hold. I I hope I hope that we continue. We the, like the indie scene has been really good about this. I think we're also seeing. I mean, we've always seen triple A's do nonviolent games as well. Like, I mean, I'm looking at my desktop right now, and I've got Forza and The Sims, and those are like fantastic. Um, but. I don't know. I hope we see like a little more as games get more and more realistic and are able to tell more and more realistic and serious stories. I hope we get the same amount of consideration for what that means. And maybe a little more consideration from the marketing department in terms of whether they want to sell weapons of war as microtransactions to children.
0: I agree. 100%. That's a great point, Reb. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we will, uh, I guess we will go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, and uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, kind of checking us out and listening to our uh, listening to us talk about uh, video games and uh, especially to the people who tune in to us every Thursday night. We really appreciate everybody who shows up in chat. And I will remind you that SDGC does go live every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we also have our 24-hour live stream coming up where uh, Derek, our producer, is going to be driving to my house... For the weekend, we're going to be doing uh, a live podcast with me and Derek here in the same room, uh, and then uh, on Saturday at we're getting up at six at seven a.m. We are starting our twenty-four hour live stream to raise money for uh, children's hospitals for Extra Life. Uh, twenty-four hours of playing uh, some good games, some really bad <laughs> games, <laughs> and and uh, we're probably going to get really drunk. And it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a really good time. Uh, So I hope everybody is excited about that. And uh, if nobody has anything else, uh, take care of yourselves. And we will see you on Thursday night.